The, um, the book of Acts is a wonderful book. The more I uh, study it, the more I am amazed by the entire Bible. Um, but the, the book Acts has really jumped out at me lately. The, the, the growing of the church, the work of the Holy Spirit, and all that He's doing, and, and just the gift, of the amazing things that, that is happening in this book. Ah, sometimes I wish we had some of this, but there's a lot of things in there I don't want, like persecution. But at the same time, the church was going rapidly in spite of the persecution. It was growing rapidly through missionaries such as Paul and Peter. It was growing rapidly through those nameless ones, like we talked about last week, those nameless people that aren't recorded in the histories, but they were just people, everyday people that took the Word of God with them wherever they went and wherever they were scattered to because of persecution, and they were just being obedient. And then we hear that in this passage, we hear an instance where Herod, who is the king of the Jews, and he's been established by the Roman government to be over the Jewish area, and he's a puppet king. He does what the Roman governors tell him to do for the most part. And he has a lot of power, a lot of authority, and he does what a lot of people do, and we see it even today, when things get bad, it's not my fault, it's somebody else's fault. Uh, we see this all the way back in the book of Genesis, right? Not me, the snake, the snake. Um, it, it, it's something we all do. We all have a tendency to want to say it's not my fault. And King Herod is looking for someone to blame his problems on. And we see throughout history that people who are in power often look for the a fastest way to please the people and shift the attention away from whatever they're doing. To someone else, and they often turn to violence or manipulation or bashing. Now, the people who are in power under Herod are the Jewish leadership, the Sanhedrin, and they're going to be the leaders, and they're going to be the ones that, when he refers to the Jews in this passage, they're referring to the people that have power and money and influence. Did Joe Blow, the everyday Joe, actually even know what was going on. This, there was no CNN or Fox News or um, Facebook even. So probably not. Um, there was a good uh, gossip mill. But um, King Herod, he, he does what we see throughout history. I mean, blame someone else. In this case, it's going to be blame the Christians. I mean, we see the Australians blame the Jews, blame the blacks, blame religion, blame Islam, blame your parents, blame um, political, you know, whatever political party you're against. Um, you know, destroy someone else and make it happy. And we see this a lot even today. Uh, we're so divided because we just, you know, whatever your point of view is, go blame the other people. You know, it was Trump's fault. It was Obama's fault. It's, uh, you know, blame that other guy. 
That's the reason we're in the state is because of them Democrats or them Republicans. And we see this kind of behavior throughout. Well, Herod is going to turn to the Christians. It says that James, the brother of John, he's one of the twelve, leader of the Jerusalem church, he's going to be imprisoned. And it says that he's going to be killed by the sword. Probably means he has his head cut off. And it seems that we see in the passage that it pleases the Jews. This is Jewish leadership, the religious leadership. It pleases them that James is now dead. So now Herod knows exactly what he needs to do to please those in power underneath him. Let's kill some more folks. Makes sense to me. You know, I laugh at how he was pleased. It says he was pleased by their death. We should never be pleased at death. But those of influence, those, they were pleased at this, and so they, they, they're going to um, rejoice in someone's suffering. You know, if we ever rejoice in someone else's suffering, whether it be someone who did something horrible to you or not, we're rejoicing in someone else's suffering, maybe we've missed the mark a little bit. Maybe we've got some issues we need to work out. Because we shouldn't be rejoicing in people's suffering. It might be a good sign that we're focused on religion and not the focus of the relationship of Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit. I, I, I think back about the things I've seen studying history and seeing the world around me, religious people are often known for what they're against, right? They're against abortion. They're against homosexuality. They're against, uh, you know, slavery. They're against uh, blacks. They're against, you know, and I'm not saying that these things, you know, some of these things are not, you know, sins, like abortion is a sin. But when we become known what we're against, we're not known for what we're for, And when we're in a relationship with Jesus Christ, we're going to be known for being in a relationship with Jesus Christ, not for what we're against. And the Jewish leadership, they're against Christians at this church, and they are happy to see this man killed. It wasn't just that they were like, okay, we've got some heretics we need to root out of our Jewish faith. We're going to push them out of the church. We might even have to kill them and shut them up, but we mourn in this. No, that's not what the Bible says. It's very clear that it wasn't an act of, uh, of contrition. We need to do these things that you know, we don't made. Not. They says they were pleased. They were pleased at this. They became to the point where they were happy someone else was dying. They've missed something. They've missed a point. They've missed their relationship. You 
They were no longer sober, uh, sober judgment. We should never be rejoicing in someone's sorrow. I think about, you know, even a soldier. You know, sometimes as a nation, we have to go to war. We have to kill someone. But we rejoice in the soldier who protects the nation. We don't rejoice in someone else's death. And it's often something we reject. We, we, oh, we're happy they're dead now. That's not what we're known, should be known for. We rejoice, we rejoice with the soldier who protects our nation. Amen. We do not rejoice that someone else is dead. That just causes more pain and suffering and sorrow, and we wish that it didn't come to this. I'd love it if we didn't have to have any more soldiers. Not because they don't do a wonderful job protecting us, because I wish we didn't need them. I wish we didn't need wars. I wish we didn't need protection from people who might do us harm. I'd love it if we didn't have to have soldiers. I rejoice with those who are giving their lives to that, but I do not rejoice in someone else having to die for that. Because I'm focused on being known for the love of God. It says God is love. And we should be known for the love of God, not for being against Islam. The only death that we get to rejoice in, the only death we get to rejoice in is that of Jesus Christ. Because he's covering up our mistake. He's covering up our failure. He's covering up what we did with his own sacrifice. So we rejoice that he has taken that upon himself because we have messed up and we admit that we have messed up and we need his sacrifice. We cannot do it on our own. And through his sacrifice, it brings life. That's why we rejoice in it. But as they were pleased with James' death, they seized Peter. Why not? If James, the leader of the Jerusalem church, is going to be happy, let's take Peter, the leader of the disciples, altogether. Let's kill off that man. He's got a lot of power and pull and influence. Let's kill him. That'll make everyone real happy. But by God's great divine plan when they seize him they can't kill him on the spot because it's passover and remember he's trying to make the religious jewish people happy that's why he's doing this in the first place did herod even care about peter there's very little evidence that he even cared about peter except that it would make the jewish people happy But he can't kill them on Passover because it's a religious holiday. And these religious people will be even more upset if you destroy the religious holiday by killing someone. So they can't kill him on the spot. So they throw him in jail. And the night before he's about to die, he's in prison. Sleeping, surrounded by troops, 
An angel comes to him, and he walks out of the prison. He walks out of prison. What an amazing thing that he is able to walk out of prison. I can only see him, picture him in a haze. This, as it re- I read it, it reads to me like he's in like that, that, you know, what's my name kind of haze. As he stumbles, you know, where's, what's going on? And he manages to go to marry the mother of John, uh, a.k.a. Mark, who's going to be a major character for the next three chapters. And, and apparently Mary has a big house where the early church is meeting. So she's fairly well off and she's very influential. And she goes to, to Mary's house and he knocks on the door. And a woman named uh, Rhoda f- comes to the door and in her excitement she recognizes him but fails to open the door. She doesn't say, hey, come on in. She, is it a ghost? Is it an angel? Is it really Peter out there? She doesn't act, answer the door, so she leaves this escaped criminal standing at the door knocking. That's a little awkward, isn't it? Of course, I, I think about as I think about continuing with that theme of religious people, you know, sometimes we do this with Jesus too. When we're focused on religion, we get so caught up in the religious activities, whether it be church activities or your personal activities like prayer, like check, I prayed today. We can get so caught up in the religious activities that we leave Jesus out of it. He says, stand at the door. I mean, when, when in Revelation 3.20, it's speaking to Christians. And he says, here I stand at the door and knock. Sometimes we're like that. We leave Jesus on the doorstep knocking. Let me in. And we're like, no, I'm, I'm good. I'm reading my Bible. Here, they've begun so against this other religion. And I've seen many a Christian uh, like this too. They've become so against other religions that they forgot the relationship of Jesus Christ. And maybe there's someone in this room that has, has been, uh, you know, you, you've, you've become like that. And I'm not saying this is wrong and you're going to hell. I'm saying that we need to check ourselves. For relationship with Jesus, uh, Jesus Christ is the truth. And he says... I'm the life. No one gets to heaven except through me. If we're going to look at our own lives, we're going to look at ourselves and ask ourselves, where am I in this big picture? Where do I fit in? How do I see myself? Am I religiously focused? Here's the thing about religion. You can actually be religiously focused and have nothing to do with Jesus. But if you're going to be relational focused with Jesus, if you're going to be in a relationship with Jesus, you're going to have religion as part of your life. Let me explain. If you're in the right relationship with Jesus, you're in a relationship, you're going to have religion as part of your life. You're going to 
Read your Bibles. You're going to pray. You're going to do all those discipleship, those disciplines that don't come naturally. Fasting. Who naturally fast? We fast because of two reasons. Either one, we think we're fat, or two, we, we, you know, we can't find the refrigerator. <laughs> we don't naturally fast. But it's part of our disciplines as a relationship with Jesus. And if we're in a relationship with Jesus, then we're going to do these things that are religious in nature. We're going to gather together as a, as a body of believers, also known as the church. We are going to have meditation time. We're going to bring other people to know Jesus. We are going to, to do the prayer and the study and the, the, all those wonderful things. But you can be religious and do all of that and have nothing to do with Jesus. And sometimes in our own lives, we get that way. Even good, solid people that very well-meaning, we get like this. And it's okay. That's why we check ourselves from time to time. How is my relationship with God? Because sometimes in your life, you get to the point where you're doing all the good things, but you've forgotten the message, the purpose of Jesus. You say, well, I'm, I'm doing my Bible study, and it becomes that chore that I've got to get through it. I'm getting through it in a year. I've got to read these three chapters or whatever it is. I think one of the ones I just saw was four and a half chapters a week, a day, and that's, that's a lot of passages. And so we get to these, these things like, I've got to knock, so I'm knocking off my Bible study, check. Did I pray today? Check. <laughs> Did I meditate? Well, I'm, uh, I maybe meditated. You know, we start checking things off our list and we lose focus on what we're doing it for. And that's how we get caught up in the religious aspect. These Pharisees in the scriptures, they... They didn't mean to miss the mark. It's not like they, they set out and said, we're going to just do it just slightly wrong. <laughs> they, they started focusing on the religious aspects because it was good. And then they just lost sight of the Father. We see this in Isaiah too. They, uh, the book of Isaiah, the, 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 the nation of Israel, it says they were following all the religious sacrifices and they were doing all the wonderful things but their hearts weren't in it. That's why uh, Paul talks a lot about in in Romans and other places, but uh, the circumcised heart, that humble heart. That's what was missing. That's what was missing in the Pharisees. It wasn't that they were necessarily bad people, but their hearts had become where they were unwilling to bow and they were caught up in the religion and not the relationship with God. And the Bible is clear that He wants our relationship with Him more than He wants our sacrifices. Because sacrifices without that relationship is just a sacrifice. And He wants it. And, and we, we think about our own lives, and we think, you know, what are we about?
And so I think about what's our next steps? What are the next things we're wanting here to ourselves? Well, the first thing we have to ask ourselves is, are we in relationship with Jesus at all? Have we accepted him as what shorthand, no, it's not in the scriptures, shorthand will say Lord and Savior. We accept him as our Savior because we admit that we can't do it our own. We need someone to do it for us, and he died to do it for us. Buried. And rose from the grave, is now sitting on the, by the throne of God as our intercessor. So we have him as our Savior, but he's also the Lord of our lives. He's the King of kings, the Lord of lords, and we follow after him. He is our master. We are his students. He is, we are walking in his path. He is our teacher. We're going to be under his discipleship. That's what it means to have him as a Lord. And so we shorthand say, Lord and Savior, we accept as Lord and Savior of our lives. And if you have not done that, you are not in relationship with him at all. You may be like, you know, email buddies. You may know his name. Does he know your name? I remember working at the university post office. Uh, I would work the counter, you know, deal with all the people that were mad because their package didn't get there on time. Um, And lots of them knew my name. Lots of people knew my name. They saw me all the time. But there were a thousand of them. I knew very few of their names. I think some of us are like that with Jesus, right? There's only one Jesus. We know his name. Does he know your name? The only way to know your name is if you're in relationship with him. We accept his Lord and Savior. We come in relationship with God. And then we focus on him. And then sometimes in our lives we become focused on religion and not relationship. And we become known for what we're against, not what we're for. Let me use an example. Abortion. I abhor abortion. It's modern day child sacrifice to false religions. But I don't want to be known for being against abortion. I want to be known for following Jesus. And part of that is saying abortion is a sin. But I want to be known for following Jesus. I want to be known for saying there was a person who didn't agree with my abortion because he followed Jesus Christ. And if I'm going to be known for someone who supports abortion, then I want to be known that I don't follow Christ. Because I follow false worship. And you know how we defeat abortion is not through bombing abortion clinics and rejoicing, hey, people are dead. It's not through yelling at them and putting them down and, oh, you heretic, you're going to. You know how we, 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 we combat abortion? We love them. We say, you know what? I know you either made a mistake or something horrible happened to you. I love you. We're here to help you. Not just till you get the, don't get the abortion, but we need to be known for love, for womb to tomb. We need to be known for love. Using the gifts that God has given us to love 
one another. As we love one another, then we force them to admit the only reason they have abortion is because they want it. Because they're worshiping something else. But right now they say, well, because it's incest or because of abortion, because there's no money or because... But we love, and we're to love, and to say, no, you're not going to be judged because of something happened. But too often we do judge because something happens because we get caught up in the religion. You made that mistake. Now you've got to live with the consequences. We're not going to help you out. <laughs> That's not the love of the church. And sometimes we do get caught up in the religious aspects and we get caught up in our religion. And it doesn't have to be just the religion of, uh, of Christianity. Religious people get known for what they're about. And you don't have to be just a Christian to be religious. You could be atheist and be a religious. Let me explain. The CRT, the critical race theory, has all the same tenets of a religion. Uh, the LGBTQ uh, group, they have all the same tenets of a religion. The only thing they don't have is a deity, but they follow all the same trademarks of religion, pra- religious practices. See, in the old world, before modern times, we would name things like these as religions. We just don't name things anymore as religion. You know, we don't name the God of money. We just worship money. We declare worth to God. To, and if we're going to declare worth to God above all else, then we have to say, you know what? These other things do have value. I mean, you know, how many of you guys are going to watch the football game today? Yeah. <laughs> you declare that that has value, has worth in your life. So in since you are worshiping, that's what worship means, worship. We're worshiping football at some level. And the Bible doesn't say that's wrong. The Bible says, worship me above all else. Worship God above all else. So all the other things that we declare worth to, not necessarily bad things. We need to stop the things that are bad. But we need to declare worth to God more than anything else. So if it stops us from worshiping God, if it interferes with our worship of God, then we need to get rid of those things. You know, if football is getting too big in your life, you can't worship God because you've got too much football in your life? Well, maybe you need to cut back on some football. I had a, a pastor one time, I'm not going to do it, but a pastor one time, he specifically scheduled his service for during the Super Bowl. <laughs> he said, prove it. But as f- we need to be not known for what we're against, but what we're for. We need to be focused on what we're for, and we're for the love of Jesus Christ. We're for the salvation of, G- of uh, others because of Jesus. We're focused on, on letting people know about how Jesus loves them. And, you know, every time in the Scriptures... And you can go back and check my, my, my story, but I'm pretty positive about this. Every time I've seen 
that Jesus is speaking to someone inside the church, he starts with truth and then moves to love. So he starts with truth and then he moves to love. But if they're outside the believers, he starts with love and then goes to truth. So I'm going to tell you guys with truth and love that sometimes we get things messed up and we need to fix them. But we go out there, we need to start with love. Not beat them with truth when they haven't seen the love yet. Because we're going to follow Jesus' path. Start with love. To the people who are not believers, start with love. And then move to truth. Father God, I praise you today, Lord. I thank you for this message, Lord. I pray that we be known for our love of you that we may walk in your path, Lord. I pray that when we are stepping outside of your path, for whatever reason, however we uh, are messing up or failing, Lord, I pray that you um, guide us back into that, Lord. Lord, if we become too focused on religious aspects, please bring us back in it. We don't want to be known for religion and what we're against. We want to be known for our love of you. We want to be known for loving others because you have loved us. We want to be known to follow the God that loves. And so, Lord, sometimes we know that we need to call out sin, and we're going to call out sin when you tell us to call out sin. But, Lord, I pray that you just give us the knowledge and know when to call out sin and when to just show love so that we can pour out yourself for others, Lord. I pray that you help us not be so heavenly focus that we lose our earthly good or that we are focused on you and the life that is now and forever in jesus name i pray amen